3: Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time.
0: This is Bloomberg Law with June Grosso from Bloomberg Radio. In a pair of speeches a day after he was acquitted on charges of abuse of power and obstructing Congress, President Donald Trump blasted his political foes, calling the impeachment drama evil and accusing his opponents of corruption and being dirty cops. Adam Schiff is a vicious, horrible person. Nancy Pelosi is a horrible person, and she wanted to impeach a long time ago when she said, I pray for the president, I pray for the president, she doesn't pray, she may pray, but she prays for the opposite, (laughs) but I doubt she prays at all, and these are vicious people. Joining me is National Security Attorney Brad Moss, a partner at Mark Zaid. Susan Collins and other senators said that, you know, President Trump has learned his lesson after the impeachment, but what does his speech today tell you?
2: Well, the view of Susan Collins and Marco Rubio and Lamar Alexander was all based more on aspiration than anything else. They're hoping that, he, that the president would take something that they would have, you know, learned a lesson like you would expect a child to learn a lesson after you got slapped on the wrist and hoping that having gone through this, the president would you know, understand how he had crossed the line the speech or whatever the celebration whatever we're calling it that transpired today um in the white house was clearly an indication that as far as the president's concerned there was no lesson to be learned other than he can get away with it so long as his party will back him and cover things for him he made no apologies for what he did he still believes he did nothing wrong he still believes it was a perfect call he still believes he should be allowed to do this and you know as we're seeing already in reporting there's indications that the uh, efforts, both the private ones through Rudy Giuliani and then the ones now going through the Senate, are going to ramp back up and they're going to continue doing exactly what they were doing to dig up dirt on the Bidens and try to pressure foreign parties to provide that information in exchange for official favors.
0: In addition, he offered a new defense saying that he had to do it, basically, because there was a treaty signed with Ukraine about corruption. So this was something that even his attorneys didn't bring up.
2: Yes, he's referencing a mutual legal assistance treaty that had been signed. And this was a lot of various, you know, Republican and conservative operatives had mentioned this in passing on Twitter over the last few months. Here was the problem. That was designed for existing U.S. government, inve- you know, investigations. If there was, you know, an ongoing investigation, if the FBI was looking into potential crimes committed by Hunter Biden, that there was a treaty to el- to enable, um, a mechanism to enable the two countries to exchange information. Obviously, there is no such investigation. The FBI has not investigated, is not investigating or otherwise having indicted either Hunter Biden or Joe Biden for anything. This was a private scheme being run through Rudy Giuliani, using the uh, connection to the president as the basis to state that absent these investigations being announced, the aid was going to be cut. and They were using certain players like Ambassador Sondland to do it. And of course, it all goes without saying that if there was something here, there would be official investigations by the U.S. government. There are no official investigations, and that's why the Trump lawyers in the you know and the Senate trial never bothered bringing this up because they, they didn't go through any of the official channels that the assistance, that the mutual assistance treaty considers and contemplates, and that wasn't anything that they ever invoked. This was a private scheme.
0: I read today that the Treasury Department has handed over Hunter Biden's tax records. To a committee yeah, i'm not
2: sure if it was the tax records or if it was travel records from the secret service i wasn't quite sure i wasn't quite clear what was turned over but either way whatever that is it's amazing how suddenly the executive branch is able to turn over information to congress is willing to provide it in a timely fashion in complete contrast with what we saw over the last few months as this impeachment investigation uh ramped up and led up led to the ultimate impeachment in the house and then the acquittal in the senate all of those categorical refusals to cooperate, all the insistence that no one should be allowed to talk to Congress, something went out the window now that it is something that helps the president and, and uh, supports the president's political agenda. So yeah, it's rank hypocrisy.
0: Mitt Romney made history by being the only senator to vote to impeach a president of his own party. And today, President Trump has uh, set his sights, it seems, for Mitt Romney. And I wonder if he'll be ostracized in Washington by the Republicans, even though John McCain, when he gave that thumbs down vote on Obamacare, was not ostracized.
2: I don't think that Mitt Romney will be completely ostracized by the party for the most part, in the sense that He's not going to be expelled from the you know, Republican caucus or the Senate. He's not going to be pushed out of the Republican Party in general. He is going to be isolated a little bit in terms of some things. There's going to be unending vitriol from the White House against him. He's not going to get any assistance from them on any of his projects. The Trump family will almost certainly try to help any primary challenge uh, that might be launched against Mitt Romney in the future if he runs for re-election in a few years. But Mitch McConnell's not going to do anything to jeopardize that seat in Utah. He needs his majority, and that was that's one of the critical seats, and he's not going to run any risk. But this is, again, this is what we live with in the era of Trump and this cult of personality. You do not dissent. You do not question dear leader You must at all times be loyal, even if he's not loyal to you. And it's a rather distressing way to see the party of Lincoln go in the sense that they are now just unwilling to ever question this cult of personality that has taken over them.
3: Face it, your business is unique. It faces challenges and risks that are specific to your industry and to the skills you and your team bring to every challenge. You need experienced insurance professionals. The Hartford accepts the challenge. The Hartford understands that protecting your business with a proper insurance can be a challenge. The Hartford team can help provide coverage to suit your industry. The Hartford empowers mid- to large size companies like yours to easily manage risk, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. With experience in underwriting, risk engineering services and claims, the Hartford faces any challenge to deliver innovative, customizable solutions that your industry and your unique company demand. Let the Hartford help protect what's unique about your business. Learn how at thehartford.com Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. House
0: Speaker Nancy Pelosi, who is one of the subjects of President Trump's ire today, says that she'd done her part to be respectful to him, but now... I feel very liberated. I feel that uh, I've extended every possible courtesy. I've shown every level of respect. I say to my members all the time, there's no such thing as an eternal animosity. I've been talking to Brad Moss about the president's reaction to his acquittal. So Brad, the question is whether some of the senators in those swing states will be punished at the ballot box for voting to acquit Trump, or whether by the time November comes, it will all be forgotten.
2: So assuming there's nothing more to come in this particular context between now and November, I think Susan Collins is in serious trouble. I think Cory Gardner is in serious trouble. And I think Tom Tillis in North Carolina is in serious trouble. Now, to be sure, all three were facing very serious challenges regardless. And I think for part, of, for part of the reason they chose to vote the way they did was a political calculation that they would rather risk angering, you know, independents and Democrats who likely were never going to vote for them anyways and keep the loyalty of the president, keep the president's support, which they'll need to secure reelection, uh, than going out on a limb, voting to convict, failing and then having to deal with an angry, you know, Republican base and an angry White House. So for them, their only hope was to basically be political opportunists, you know, try to claim that, oh, we hope he'll learn from this, but very much be political opportunists and hold on to power simply by, you know, covering their eyes and covering their ears and hoping they don't hear anything or see anything.
0: What was surprising to me, in addition to Mitt Romney's vote, What was surprising to me was that the Democratic senators all voted in favor of convicting Trump. And, I mean, there seem to be some that are taking a risk by doing that.
2: Yeah. And so the ones who you're probably thinking of, so one would obviously be um, Manchin out in West Virginia, which has obviously now become a very deeply red state. Um, At least, you know, in terms of how they vote for president that ironically has a significant base of registered Democrats, but Democrats who usually tend to actually vote for Republican presidential candidates. Um, Manchin is rather popular out there. Presumably, if he chooses to run again, this will be a problem for him. But it's unclear that it would be one that would truly stop him from winning. He has his own base of popularity out there long before Donald Trump, and presumably we'll still have it now in the aftermath of Donald Trump. The other one, the other senator who might be in trouble is going to be um, Senator Sinema out in Arizona. But one thing she has going for her is that the demographics of Arizona have been changing. We saw that with how, you know, her recent election, you know, a Democrat winning in Arizona had not been something that had happened in a long time. You've been seeing those demographics change. And so part of her calculation, no doubt, from a political context, was if I don't vote to convict, do I depress my own base and cause problems for myself, including a possible primary challenge when I'm up for reelection? So I'm sure that was part of it. Uh, But in the end, you would hope for most of these senators on both sides of the aisle, you would hope that they took their oaths seriously and that they were trying to render impartial justice. And unfortunately, in the context of some of these senators they chose to take what i would view as the political route to save themselves in november rather than actually render an impartial, you know, verdict.
0: And now attention turns back to the house to see whether or not some of the chairs of house committees are going to restart their investigations into president trump. And one of the big things on the line is of course whether or not the house judiciary chair will subpoena John Bolton to testify, and then whether or not Bolton will comply if subpoenaed.
2: So Bolton is obviously, you know, the big shiny object. His book is supposed to come out in March. We're still waiting to see if that's actually going to happen. There's been no word yet on the final, you know, review approval um, through the National Security Council that has to sign off on whether or not there's classified information in his book. Um, But yeah, I think you... You can expect, to some extent, there's going to be a slew of remaining on investigations that will continue on to sort of flesh out the record, not for purpose of an additional, you know, impeachment, but to ensure the public has everything it needs in the run up to November. And I expect that there will be a supplemental report coming out of uh, various House chairs um, in the run up to November of. Here's the additional information that we were not able to get in time for the impeachment investigation and for the Senate trial that the White House did everything it could to keep from you. Here's what we've been able to collect, though, through our ongoing investigations. You, the American voter, you render your own decision whether or not this matters to you. You get to make that ultimate call.
0: And what's your take on whether or not Bolton will testify if subpoenaed?
2: So that, that's a $64,000 question. So you would assume that he will because he said publicly he would, but that was in the context of a Senate trial. Well, that's no longer an issue. The Senate trial is over. The president was acquitted. So does, does John, Bol- do John Bolton back down? Now, does he say, well, there's no, reason, no longer a reason for me to come testify. You can buy my book and read it there. I'm sure he might make that argument. He might rely on some of the defenses he otherwise was going to swear off in the Senate trial. We'll have to wait and see, as Donald Trump would say, to find out what John Bolton actually does if a subpoena is issued.
0: You've litigated cases, I believe, where there were questions from the National Security Agency about a book being published. So in this case, is there anything Bolton can do to speed up the process if he's not getting Back from the NSA, what he needs to in order to make changes to the book and to get it moving, is there anything he can do?
2: So, what he's able to do right now, he's able to file a lawsuit if he wanted to um, under the First Amendment claiming undue delay, claiming that the uh, review process has been unduly delayed and it's depriving him of the ability to publish unclassified information that is protected by the First Amendment and to be clear the case law driving from a Supreme Court case in the 80s made very clear the government may not censor the speech of former government employees in terms of unclassified information it doesn't matter if it was executive privilege issues any of that the only thing the government can censor in these books of former employees is properly classified information and the employees have the ability to sue to challenge that but they have to go through this process. And if the government is, you know, drawing it out, there is a means to simply bring the suit early, claim undue delay, which usually just gets the government to finally finish up their decision process, at which point the person can choose whether or not they want to continue with the challenge or if they're satisfied with what they got
0: out of the review. Thanks for being on Bloomberg Law, Brad. That's Brad Moss, a partner at Mark Zaid. I'm June Grosso, and this is Bloomberg.